Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I'm delighted to have as my guest, Amy Sargent. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Well, Amy is uh, the first guest that I've had that's going to be talking about a topic that is of interest really to everybody in any organization these days, and that's emotional intelligence. Amy is the executive director of the Institute for Social and Emotional Intelligence, which is an online education institution that teaches leaders, coaches, and HR professionals about social and emotional intelligence and basically certifying them to become um, coaches in this arena, right, Amy? That's right, Meredith, yes. And so the thing that is so interesting, Amy, with you, you and I share a background of having a master's in curriculum and instruction. And it's interesting the path that our uh, careers have taken us because we're not actually in the field of uh, public education, but we certainly get to apply our degrees in our respective work. And one of the things that Amy is doing is she has a lot of contact with the folks who go through their program. So she's got remarkable interpersonal skills because I've interacted with her a lot myself as they've used our survey tool. And she also is very strong in creative writing and social media. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this topic with you, Amy, of emotional intelligence, um, because you know firsthand how critical that is to a person's effectiveness at Mm -hmm. work. But before we jump into the topic, tell us a little bit more about your journey to the work that you're doing right now. Okay, and thanks for asking. Um, You know, back in college days, I picked up a part-time student employment job in the student employment office, which turned into a full-time job. Um, So I started out in the education field, um, helping students find the right job, um, find the right fit, and then jobs after college. And what I didn't know that was called back then was coaching, um, was doing coaching without really knowing what it was. Um, and then I took some years off to raise my children. And then after that, decided to go back to school, got my master's degree, as you mentioned, in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis in, emphasis in arts. Um, so that's just learning how to teach people um, in different methods in different ways. Maybe someone's a visual learner or maybe someone's an audio learner or maybe they need kinesthetics to help them learn. So I um, got my master's in that, and then I picked up a job at an inner city church. And again, without really knowing it was coaching, um, continued coaching, mostly women who um, were just struggling with life issues and honestly just needed someone to talk to, needed someone to listen, and then needed someone to turn around and ask questions that would help draw out more of their story. Well, it wasn't, but a few years later, I stumbled upon the Institute for Social and Emotional Intelligence, and they were looking for a part-time social media person. And when I looked at the competencies around emotional intelligence, um, I just fell in love with them. Um, they really are just how to become a better human being. Mm-hmm. And it's 
a, a company that actually taught these and, and trained people to get out there and help others do better in these, um, I was all over it. So I took the position and um, over the years, as, as people have come and gone, when people left, I picked up their responsibilities at the Institute. Um, we had some instructors leave, so I picked up their, their roles teaching and um, now I'm the executive director. So you may think it sounds random, but um, I really do like to believe that our lives have a path and and each opportunity that opens up that we say yes to tends to open up yet another opportunity. So um, I just love that I started way back when coaching college students um, and now get to train coaches all around the world and, and the amazing topic of emotional intelligence. That I'm so excited for you because I can tell just by the way you're describing it, you are so passionate about what you do. And so it's uh, I because I love my work and it's always great to be able to interact with someone that is so enthusiastic about their own work. Well, probably all of our listeners have heard of emotional intelligence, but I'm not sure how many of them really know what it consists of. So would you give a good definition of it and describe what the different components are? Sure, I would love to. I mean, you know, it's funny if you're ever sitting next to someone on a plane and they ask you what you do. Um, when I say emotional intelligence, it's always receives mixed um, reactions. Either someone will or kind of kind of laugh like they're like, I've never heard of that. You know, sounds like a joke. Or they'll make a snide remark saying, well, don't we all need more of that? Um, so I do love to, I do have a passion for this and love to talk about what it is. Um, it truly is how to become a better person. And we define it here at the Institute as the ability to be aware of your own emotions. And the key words are in the moment. So being aware of your own emotions in the moment and then taking that valuable information that comes from our emotions and using that to manage our behaviors. And, a, and another component of that is also tuning into those emotions of those around us. And then using that information to not manage them. Because if you've ever tried to manage another human being, um, you know how difficult that can be and usually doesn't come out with the best results. So learning how to take that information, tuning into the other person and managing our relationship with them. So there's four components. Self-awareness of how I'm feeling in the moment. And you can just do a quick test right now. You don't have to say this out loud, but how are you feeling in the moment? Can you, can you put one word to that? And even deeper, can you, can you connect the source of that feeling? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling in the moment? The second part is now I'm going to manage my behavior based upon how I'm feeling. I'm going to manage that behavior appropriately. And then thirdly, third quadrant, we could say of emotional intelligence, is now I'm going to tune into the person around me, the, the people in the group or the person I'm talking to. Can I read their body language? Can I read their facial expressions? Can I hear what they're saying in between the lines to really understand what they're feeling? And then once I do, using that valuable information to manage my relationship with them. So it's really about self-awareness, other awareness, and then self-management, both behaviors and our relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's a very straightforward and clear explanation. So... My guess is with your title of the Institute for Social and Emotional Intelligence, the social sounds like it's a component really of the overall, the fourth quadrant. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have heard of emotional intelligence, but not so much social intelligence. It's not so much on our radars. Um, and really, yes, it's just that last half of that definition. Social intelligence being that ability to tune into others around us and how they're feeling and then managing our relationships. And the reason we separate it out, you know, a lot of companies just teach emotional intelligence. Um, we like to separate that out because honestly, most of the coaching requests we get here at the Institute are when someone is struggling with someone else. It's usually a, a people issue, um, whether they, they don't get along with their boss or they're having troubles with their significant other or they're trying to raise their teenagers and they're at a loss of how to connect. So usually the issues that, that bring us to a halt tend to revolve around that social intelligence piece that are we tuning into others? Are we listening to them? Are we understanding how they're feeling? And are we managing that behavior, our behaviors in that relationship appropriately? So we'd love to separate it out just to give social intelligence its own two legs to stand on. We really try to focus on the connection between emotional intelligence, tuning into my emotions, how I'm feeling, managing my behavior, and how that connects to tuning into those around us and managing those relationships. So thinking about the application of this in a workplace, I'll ask a question in two different ways and you can tell me which which way you want to approach it. One okay. is, or, or maybe both of them would be fun to explore. The first question is about why is it important that people mm -hmm. have this capability in the workplace or at home? And yeah. then what's the downside of them not being strong in their emotional intelligence? Yeah, those are great questions, Meredith. And if we have time, let's definitely um, tackle both. Um, the first one is I would like to start with a little hands-on activity, if you don't mind participating, and any listeners we have can participate. Um, just pause for a moment and think of the person in your life who's been most significant. Maybe it's a teacher or a mentor or someone you've worked with, but just think for a moment about that person that's had a, had a significant positive impact on your life. And once you get that person in your, in your, in your head, maybe their name, their face, Think about the qualities about them that you most admire. And I'll just pause for a moment. Just see if you can come up with one, two, or three attributes of that person that makes you admire them most. A constant learner, always looking for ways to grow and stretch themselves, which is very inspiring to me. Yeah. Very um, tuned in to others. Okay. Uh, I would say using intuition to read other people and really respond appropriately, yeah. um, compassionate yeah. uh, and generous mm. with others in praise as well as giving um, yeah. in settings like where there's a service person tipping them generously. Sure, yeah. Um, but also just being kind um, yeah. and considerate of other people, being aware of and kind of monitoring feelings and who's responding, who's not, and, and yeah. um, then adjusting appropriately. Yeah, yeah, love that. Thank you. Thanks for participating and sharing. If you listen back, thinking on those attributes that you mentioned, most of those fit under emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. With a friend over coffee today at lunch, if you um, bring, ask this question to your family members around the dinner table, um, at a business meeting tomorrow, the responses almost always come out the same. The very people that we most, most look up to, that we, that we aspire to be more like, 
it's qualities of emotional intelligence. That's, those, are the, those are the things that we most want in our own lives. So is, is emotional intelligence important? Is it relevant? The very attributes that we wish we had more of fall under emotional intelligence. The relevance falls into many categories, but just to mention a few, um, psychological well-being is probably one of the primary um, parts of emotional intelligence that has the most benefit. Um, and I'll just tell you a little bit about that. You know, part of emotional intelligence is understanding your own story, um, knowing, knowing why you are the way you are. And if you think back maybe in earlier childhood, we all, have, we all have a story we tell about ourselves, some good things, some not so good things. And if you can think back on a maybe particularly negative story you tell yourself about yourself. And it could be, you know, I don't like my nose. Um, I'm not professional enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, whatever that story is in our heads, somewhere we learned it. And for some reason, we continue to carry that story. So something that emotional intelligence can do is help someone begin to understand that story by naming those emotions around it, tracking where that story came from, and then holding it up to a test of is it true or not? And is it still serving me well to continue to tell that story? Mm. But how can I take some steps, steps to shift that story to a more productive one that benefits me, that benefits those around me? So the emotional well-being, the psychological well-being that can come from just understanding our own story, knowing wh why we got to where we are and then where we're going ahead um, can have tremendous effects mental well-being, our positivity, our outlook on life. Um, health and wellness, there's been lots of research done on emotional intelligence impacting our physical health and wellness. Um, some research done by one of my favorite authors is Barbara Friedrichsen in her book, Positivity, talks about some research done on um, those who go into um, a, a, an evaluation with a positive mindset. Um, they actually did an experiment where they injected people with, with a flu virus. And who, who would agree to do this? I don't know, but they did. And those that went into that with a positive outlook um, had less symptoms. And when they did get sick, it, it, it last, these symptoms lasted a lot shorter duration versus those who went into that with a negative mindset. So lots of studies done on just physical health, how it can benefit from having um, realistic optimism, which is a, one of the components of emotional intelligence. Um, probably the biggest relevance that we use, especially as we're um, out looking for new clients who would like emotional intelligence coaching, is the employee engagement piece. And I think we all know what an employee engagement is. You know, when you've got people working for you, you want them to be engaged in their work fully. You want them to love what they do. You want them to have passion about their work. And when they don't, the money that can go down the drain when, um, and we've probably all worked with someone who maybe wasn't engaged in their work, or maybe they were looking for another job while they were at work. Um, the amount of money a company spends paying them not to do their job. And then when they quit, the drama that goes on around, oh, did you hear so-and-so quit? And then the process of finding a new person, hiring in, a lot of time and money we spend over employees that aren't engaged. Emotional intelligent bosses, emotional intelligent managers, and emotional intelligent employees can bring a oneness together in a corporation where people don't want to quit. They love working for their boss. They love working with their colleagues. They can't wait to get into work because again, they understand their own story. They understand their emotions. They're managing that behavior well. 
we've all been with people who don't manage their behavior well. Let's just take the emotion of anger, for instance. Um, you know, it's okay to be angry, but is it okay to punch a wall in the middle of an office? Probably not. So to be around people who know how to manage those emotions and then are so good at tuning into each other, um, knowing how to be encouraging, inspirational, um, really can bring up the employee engagement, um, which saves companies millions of dollars. So lots of benefits to emotional intelligence. Um, I think within that is the flip side of it would be the, the, the detriment side of, of not having emotional intelligence. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm sure everybody listening can think of at least one person, probably more, who have negatively impacted their own lives because right. of being around someone who has um, low emotional intelligence. But what would you say are some of the um, attributes or behaviors that are observable for someone that doesn't have those four quadrants well-developed um, yeah. in the workplace? What would that look like? Um, that's a great question. Let's just go through each of the four quadrants to talk about that. That first quadrant of self-awareness. Um, and I'll just ask with a question, have you ever worked with someone, um, maybe a manager or a leader, who's not self-aware, who maybe thinks she is the best leader that has ever been seen before, um, but everyone around them is frustrated. They're, they don't feel heard. They don't feel listened to. So that lack of self-awareness can really, um, really have a negative effect on the, the, the positive outlook in a company. Um, so, just, so I'll just use that one for the first example. Mm -hmm. And then a lack of self-management. I'll just use that same anger issue. If you've ever worked with someone who can't control their anger, um, it's, not, it's not wrong that they're feeling it, but we do need to manage our emotions. And how um, that can be scary, it can be discouraging, it can be, it makes people want to quit, you know, when you're with someone who can't manage their behaviors. Yeah. Start looking for another job. Um, have you ever been with someone who, who never asks you a question? But <laughs> in a conversation where someone talks and talks, they never stop and say, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on with you this week? So that lack of social awareness, um, honestly just makes us not want to hang around that other person so much. So imagine if you're working with someone with a low amount of, of social intelligence. And then finally, that relationship management piece. You know, it's one thing to be aware. We can take assessments, become aware of ourselves. But until we learn to manage our relationships with others, um, I think they say that most people don't leave their jobs because of the lack of interest in their, their tasks or even their pay. They leave because they don't get along with their manager. Mm -hmm. um, great. And that's just in the workplace. We haven't even started to talk about impersonal relationships. What would you like to say about that? Because that certainly has ramifications as well. With those same four quadrants, how would that apply at home? And I think I'll just say exactly the same way. Um, there is a funny little uh, note that um, they say that, say you're in a relationship, think of your significant other right now. If one of you is, is working on your emotional intelligence and the other is not, can you imagine how that can cause havoc in a relationship? Let's just take the example, um, the competency of communication, effective communication is a competency of emotional intelligence. And say you and your significant other are struggling with this area. I'm not hearing each other, not understanding each other. Well, one of you decides to do the work. You go get a counselor and start talking about, you know, how you could do better on this. 
Um, you sign up for a class at the community college on communication. Um, you grab every book you can at the library and devour them. And then you come back to your partner and they haven't done a thing on it. Can you see that that could cause a little conflict? But the opposite side, if both of you are working to grow, working to become better listeners, to become um, you know, more apt to listen, ask questions that are open-ended, try to understand each other, how that can help a relationship begin to grow. So again, it's all about becoming a better human being and then using that ability to be a good human being and really develop our relationships so they're deeper, more meaningful, um, happier, more enjoyable. Well, I want to go into the fact that you have people that come and go through your training coaches, uh, leaders, yeah. HR, and probably learning professionals. Some of them want to go back and teach this, I assume, in their own organizations. Yeah. What is, uh, I'd like to hear some examples of how they go about conveying that information to people so that people actually do become more self-aware they become more adept with those social skills. What does that look like for them to make that progression to being more effective in those right. areas? I love that question, yeah. Um, so yeah, we do have coaches, HR professionals, leaders, and a lot of just individuals who wanna grow their own emotional intelligence take our courses. Um, the majority are coaches and their role is to turn around and take the information they've learned and start helping their clients um, make shifts in behavior. And again, we're talking about behavior here. Um, we're not talking about personality or intellect, quote, you know, or IQ. It's behaviors in the moment and then managing those appropriately. So a lot of coaches take this into their one-on-one, -on -one organ, you know, their one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, they'll have them take, we have a self-assessment and a 360 assessment, and they'll have their client take one of those kind of as a springboard to just start speaking the same language around what this is, what it isn't, what it looks like, and then um, manage their coaching engagements from there using the information that they see in that assessment, looking at their strengths, and then trying to use those strengths to leverage their areas of growth. Um, same thing in the corporate world. Um, we have a lot of coaches that turn around and, like you said, develop their own trainings or workshops. Um, we do try to provide a lot of information and content so they can do this easily. But um, a lot of our coaches present workshops on emotional intelligence to a, you know, a team of 50, 100, however many, um, and then offer one-on-one -on -one coaching follow-up after that. Um, some just continue to do group coaching. Um, and then we have individuals taking this just so they can grow their own families to develop their own, um, their own emotional intelligence so they can get out there and, and have more productive relationships. So I, what I'm saying is that our clients use this in a variety of ways and really try to support them in getting out there and using it however best fits for the kind of company they're working in. Whether it's their own coaching business, whether it's their own family, or whether they've been hired by a corporation to come in and, and do some work, you know. So workshops, one-on-one -on -one coaching, trainings, um, ongoing workshops, um, pretty much any way they can use this information to convey that information. Great, so let's talk about transformations. People who either have taken your class, say, as an individual who wanted to really uh, grow and become more effective, or some of the success stories you've heard about from the coaches and others that have 
taken your material, applied it with clients, and then report back to you on the, here's what happened. Let's hear about, because it, it's helpful for people to hear about this conceptually, but then also, yeah. what does it look like when somebody really does have growth in any of these four quadrants. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I agree with you. We really need to see that it works um, before we can believe it. Um, one coach recently shared to me that she was called in to um, do some emotional intelligence coaching with three executives um, whose jobs were on the line. They were going to be fired if things didn't change. And without revealing too much, I obviously won't say names, but um, People were quitting. People were not liking working with these executives, um, threatening to quit if they didn't get rid of them. So their jobs were on the line. And she came in and did some coaching with them and literally saved them from losing their jobs. Um, what she helped them realize that, you know, it's not that they're bad people. They just needed to make some behavior shifts. Um, and a lot of it was around the social intelligence piece, how they were connecting with those that were working under them, how they were communicating with those working under them. So with a little one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, it took about six months to start to see a few changes, um, and she stayed with them for a year each, but really helped them turn around their behaviors and how they dealt with those under them. And all three got to keep their jobs, and um, she checked in with them about a year and a half later, and um, just, the, just the atmosphere in the office was so much more positive as, um, because now people are working for someone who actually knows they should check in with them, um, ask their opinions, try to understand what they're thinking. So I loved hearing that, just the um, three jobs, you know, that were saved by that. Um, we another, another coach works with instructors um, in a school system, and this one really excites me because I have a heart to get emotional intelligence. I would love for every single school starting at a very young age to be able to start teaching around emotional intelligence. Um, so this particular coach is working with a school system and right now she's administered our self-assessment to all of the administration and all of the school board and all of the instructors. And just getting them to understand their own emotional intelligence, their strengths, their areas of growth, um, is such a great start for the connection and the communication. I guess before she came, out, came on, they were just, just having conflict, which, you know, we all do. Have we ever worked anywhere where there's not conflict? Um, have we ever been in a relationship where there's not conflict? So now that they're all speaking the same language, they understand their strengths. And um, she also ran a few team reports, which, which is something we'll offer where if everyone takes a self-assessment, we'll take all those scores and compile them. And then she can go back to the group and say, look, as a team. Here's where we're strong. Here's where we're struggling. And each person knows their own individual scores and how those fit in. Um, really impactful in helping a team start to realize how they can leverage their own strengths to bring up some of those areas where the team is struggling. So really seeing some significant um, turnaround in the school system. Um, I'm hoping now that they take it to the next level of administering it to the high school kids, getting it down to junior high level as well. So we have a number of, of coaches who are working in an educational environments, um, which just really is exciting to me. Um, we do have another coach who just started administering the assessment to um, their grad students coming into their grad school program and um, don't have any success stories yet of that, but I cannot wait till they start rolling in. That's great. Yeah, the, the changes, let's go back to those three executives. If you are familiar with what was it they were doing that, what were some of those behaviors that were really um, getting in the way of 
their effectiveness in causing people to want to leave and then talk a little bit more specifically about what did they start doing differently just so we get that clear picture of yeah. what's not emotional intelligence and what does it really look like great i love that yeah so i'll just bring up one in particular um communication was lacking and particularly listening skills so um, not to, well, I will, I'll stereotype here, was the type of leader who felt like since he was the leader, um, he had all the answers and he didn't need to ask those around him for their input um, because he's the boss, right? And he, he, he has it all figured out. So this was not going over well with those that worked with him and worked under him. Um, we all have something to offer and we all have, bring value to the table and, and need that to be recognized. So the coach, um, the, one of the first instruments that she gave him um, after taking the self-assessment, um, she gave him a 360 assessment. And 360s are an amazing wealth of information because not only do they provide information about ourself, you know, what I view of myself, but all those around me, how they view me. So in this particular instance, um, he took the assessment, but he also had his customers take the assessment about him. Um, those that the, those his direct reports that were right under him, some indirect reports, some peers, and um, the results were were not surprising um, to all around him, but very surprising to him. Um, it it was hurtful for him to see that other people didn't view him as strong of a leader as he viewed himself. And the 360 assessment was amazing in that because the gaps that it showed between his scores and intelligence and those of others um, were significant. So the coach, um, most of the areas that he was struggling with were around communication. And um, again, it's not that he's a bad person, he's just lacking some communication skills. So she referred, we have a coaching toolkit that we offer that for each of the competencies, um, there's two or three tried and true coaching exercises that a coach could use to help someone start to make shifts. So she pulled out the one on um, good listening, and it is such a simple exercise, but it is so beneficial. Um, it has a list of about 15 or 20 questions about listening, and all you do is score yourself a one if you feel like you never do it, a seven if you do it all the time, and everything in between. Questions like, do I make good eye contact? Do I let the other person know that I've understood what they've said? Do I put down my phone when they're talking? Do I, do I physically nod and give them signals that I'm understanding? And it's just a simple checklist that she had him do at the end of each day. And just that step of becoming aware, um, areas that he wasn't doing, um, for example, putting the phone down. How distracting, you know, when someone comes in to talk to him and he's talking, but he's also here on the phone the whole time. They feel devalued. So just the simple step of learning to put the phone down not that hard, something we all can learn. But without that self-awareness piece, um, didn't realize something as simple as that was causing those under him to feel frustrated. So together, um, using that checklist at the end of each day, um, he would check in each week with her and just kind of let, let her know how he's doing. And boy, within a few weeks, um, he didn't really even need the checklist anymore because he realized these areas that he was lacking in. Um, and, and we all do that. I'll, and I'll just make the statement now, let's all try to have better eye contact. Just by saying that, the very next person you talk to, you'll probably have better eye contact. Mm -hmm. So it's just becoming aware, 
and then having a coach walk alongside you to help start making those steps and have someone else to check in, you know, to say, how are you doing? How did it go? You know, oh, oh we missed here. Why do you think you missed? You know, was it because you were stressed? And so he really began to tie his behavior in with his emotions. Um, emotions drive most of our behaviors. So um, just a fabulous story. Um, and I haven't heard since, but I would love to, love to hear now that it's been a few years um, where, you know, what he's doing and how it's going for him. Does that help? Give that's an an, yeah, that's a fabulous story. And one of the things I like about it is just the simplicity of a daily checklist. Yeah, so if easy. there's something each of us wants to improve in, we can come up with what are those behaviors we want to be exhibiting right. yeah. and make a little, it could be three items. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be a long one, but just what are the things where we're consciously trying to improve yeah. and yeah. just give ourselves a score at the end of the day. So we become more aware, more yeah. conscious. And I remember uh, Marshall Goldsmith talking about, he still has a coach who calls him every day to ask him, certain questions that he gave that person to ask him. So right. throughout this day, he's very much aware of, I'm going to be asked those questions later. Right. And so right. I better be conscious of what it is I'm, I'm wanting to do so I can say, give yes as the answer because yeah. it's, that's it, what the focus of the questions were. Uh, but I think that kind of accountability, uh, whether it's with yourself or someone else, having that coach on a regular basis, that's really profound because when we're looking at changing behavior, as you've just described, there's that becoming aware of it. He obviously had many blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. And those gaps between his self ratings and the ratings of others really opened his eyes to the, the difference uh, yeah. between what he thought and what was actually happening Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the piece of it I really love is that it's one thing to become self-aware and we've all taken assessments and you know how you get your assessment results back and you're all excited and you look at your report and you might tell someone, oh, look, I'm this and that. And you tend to set it on your desk. And then within a week, you've kind of pushed it over to the side. And then you finally just stick it in a drawer because you need your desk space and, and you forget. So it's great to become self-aware, but it really needs to be followed up with practice. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes those practices are as simple as a checklist at the end of the day. Um, I'd love to share another story. Do we oh, have? Please, yeah, go ahead. And this, this is a personal transformation. Um, when I first took um, one of the classes we offer here at the Institute is called Using Positive Psychology to Coach Emotional Intelligence. And one of the competencies of EQ is realistic optimism, having, having a belief that things are going to work out for the best. Um, not being Pollyannish, but having that steady belief that things are going to turn out for the good. And um, when I first took the course, I was in a bit of a, a bit of a negative space just from some life circumstances that were just pulling me down. And um, I took the course and one of the things I learned, again, talking about a practice that we can begin to do to, um, so I was aware that my realistic optimism was a bit low. I'd taken the assessment and surprised me how low it was. Um, but then again, I thought, yeah, I, I've been pretty negative lately. One of the practices I learned in that class was to keep a thankful jar. The simplest thing you simply, when anything at all positive happens to you during the day, 
you just grab a little piece of paper, jot it down, wad it up and stuff it in the jar. And I just bought a simple little jar at a thrift store, um, had a notepad out close. So anytime, and some, sometimes the things I would record seemed like a stretch because I was in such a negative place. But anything that happened that was on the good side of things, jot it down. And then I started a ritual um, on December 31st of each year to open that jar. And you know how most people at the end of the year are like, oh, let this year be over. Bring on the new year. I'm ready for a change. Um, this shifted my perspective so much because that first year, I dumped all that jar. And the jar was just full by December 31st, dumped it out on the bed and started opening those and reading them and um, tears and laughter, um, things that I would have forgotten if I hadn't have jotted them down. Mm. Um, so not only was I just, I felt like one of the richest women in the world that night reading these, just this bounty of blessings that were poured out before me, did it again the next year. And just the practice of doing that, um, you just feel my mindset switching um, to where then you start looking for positive things to happen. And you can't wait for something positive to happen so you can write it down and put it. <laughs> so I've done this for years. And um, I think most people would describe me now as one of the more positive people they know. And I really attribute it back to this first becoming aware that I was in a negative place and then using this practice of simply writing down the good things that happened each day to bring me to this better place. Oh, I love that practice. That is great because I have a ritual every morning of writing down 10 things that I'm grateful for. Nice. But what I like about yours is it's conscious throughout the day. Right. And, and I think that that will be an interesting twist uh, to what I'm doing. I, I'll, I'll do that as an add-on because I think that's such a fabulous idea just to, as you said, really reprogram your mind yeah, because yeah. you're raising your antenna, if you will, to notice those things rather than dwelling on what's not going well right, or what right. you don't like about a certain circumstance that you're going through. Thank you for sharing that. That is fabulous. And I love what you just said about reprogramming our minds. It's really, we, we all can change. And, you know, sometimes you'll have a client come in that says, well, this is the way I've been doing it for 35 years. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks but you really can um, because we're talking about behaviors and with a mindset to want to grow and with a coach walking alongside you to give you ideas to practice and keep you accountable. Um, we really can make shifts in a positive direction. And that is the beauty of emotional intelligence is that it's about behavior and behavior can be shifted. Well, you have shared so many great practical tips as well as helping our listeners really get a better understanding of what it looks like when you have emotional intelligence. So thank you so much for that. Amy, I know there are people that are going to be eager to connect with you as well as learn more about the programs that the Institute offers. So tell us about learning more about the Institute as well as connecting with you. Great. Yeah. So each month we offer a 12 hour online course and it's called the coach certification course. And it certifies people as a certified social and emotional intelligence coach. So a lot of coaching practices were certified with the International Coach Federation, as well as several HR organizations, um, SHRM and the Human Resource Certification Institute. So if you're looking for credits, you know, obviously you can get some recertification credits through this class, but it really does teach coaching principles of how to help clients, teams, family members, whoever we're working with, 
start to make shifts in a positive direction in their emotional intelligence. So each month we start a new class and we also have a self-study class if that's something, you know, if the class dates where we meet online don't work, um, we have a version where you can take it on your own time and send in content summaries. So each month we start a new class and we would love to have anyone join us who, who has a heart for helping others grow in emotional intelligence. And where is the, what's the website? For yep, our website, yep, it's um, the-isei.com, I-S-E-I, Institute for Social and Emotional Intelligence. Great. And go to the classes tab and learn all about our different classes we have. Great. And we'll put that on the show notes page as well. And uh, I know you're on LinkedIn. Is that the best place for people to connect with you? Oh, on yeah, social media? LinkedIn will work or they're welcome to email me directly. Uh, my email is amy at isei.com. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate the gift of your wisdom and experience today and the passion you have for this topic. You just glow with your enthusiasm um, for it. And thank you for the lives that you and ISEI are impacting and improving because of the work that you're doing. Thank you, Meredith. I appreciate that. Great. It's a great thing to be a part of. I can tell. I, I thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.